Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're beginning a brand new series today. It actually could have been part two of the one we just finished on. And uh, it's based upon, and it's going to go for several weeks. And today, I'm really not going to be serving up some of the meat of it. I'm, I, I will be some. It'll be an appetizer, okay? I'm setting the table, and it'll be a little a, uh, appetizer. We're really going to get down and, 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 and dirty, so to speak, with this in the weeks to come. Because we're going to talk about the things we see happening in our culture from where they have arisen, where they are leading, and how we stand against that. Because we must. Our light must shine in the midst of all of that. And so I played around with several titles and Carl always does the, 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 uh, the art for the thumbnail and everything. And it started out as navigating the darkness. Then a couple of days later, I sent him a text that says, well, Mr. Can't Make Up His Mind has changed again. And he said, well, fortunately, I haven't even started on it. So, And <clears throat> I called it, I've decided to call it Grace in the Darkness. I asked Kathy, I said, what about Grace in the Evil Day? She says, no, I like Grace in the Darkness better. And we, it's based upon a, uh, Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, which is an eschatological, meaning an end time passage. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. How many of you believe we're seeing that? And deep darkness, the peoples. Believe me, the darkness we're seeing now is going to be amplified several times over. We are headed into war. If you think we're not, I hate to break, you know, I hope we aren't, but I'm sure we are. And greater and greater conflict, greater and greater uh, uh, perversion, greater and greater things of that nature are happening. But God. It will be a time of great division. We've already seen it politically, but you are going to see massive division spiritually. And it will truly be Dickensian. It will be the best of times and the worst of times. It will be the great and terrible. Great for those who know him and terrible for those who do not. I have waited all my Christian life for the, to enter the door through which we walk. It's been a long time in coming, but it's here. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I've, I've been in the paratroopers for having been in the paratroopers for 15 years, having risen in rank and not ever having seen anything except alerts. Randy can tell you all about it and, and Arnie can tell you all about alerts. That's where you're not allowed to leave the base. You have to stay there and everything. And then all at once they'll sound the alert and everybody goes running out. We gather all your stuff together. You, you, you know, you get all your, your, um, and Aaron too, of course, he was a paratrooper and he actually fought in Afghanistan. But the, the, uh, we, uh, we, you know, you get all geared up, you get on the airplane and you go out and they just kind of fly around and then you land. It, it was, you know, it was either a, a drill or a false alarm or they, we're going, thinking about going in and decided not to. But I'm here to tell you, we're at the day where the door is open. We're at 900 feet and we're getting out. Because it, and it is a combat jump. Everybody say amen. amen. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Yahweh has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples. But Yahweh will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Manifestations of the Spirit, manifestations of the glory will appear upon you. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this, and we'll, I'm just laying this out today. We're going to be coming back and hitting this a lot harder in the weeks to come. We're going to talk about some of the dynamics of it. And this is from the English Standard Version. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against. Okay, we do wrestle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Over this present pack of lies. Over this present uh, chunk of perversion. All right? Present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil. Evil does exist. Evil not only exists, it is active. But it loses in the end. And they get, in fact, it's already lost. It just doesn't, you know, it's just trying to stay out of shale. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, in the final analysis, human pride is the single biggest, if not the only contributor to the thing that will stop us dead in our tracks, and that is unbelief. Unbelief is unfaith. And it is by faith we are saved through grace. Everybody say amen. And pride, you know, it's, pride shows up in our own abilities. Pride shows up in our own knowledge. Pride that refuses to be subservient to anyone or anything. The kind of pride that took humanity down in the garden. It says that she saw that it was good for food and a delight to the eyes and desirable to make one wise. John tells us over in 1 John chapter 2, that's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the last one, desirable to make one wise, the boastful pride of life. What we see today in our government, in the Plutarchy, the elite, very rich people of the Davos uh, ilk, etc., is beyond pride. It is an arrogance that goes into hubris. Postmodernism has truly gone to seed. Postmodernism has for years been teaching in our, in our schools that there is no objective truth. There is no objective reality. What you feel, that's what's real. You determine your own reality. You determine your own, uh, you know, uh, that which is, uh, you know, is truth. You determine your own truth and challenge all authority and everything. And it's gotten to the point that these people believe that just because they say something that it's automatically true. They believe that they can create truth by saying it out of their mouth and seeing to it that their, their minions in the media keep pounding the same narrative over and over again. Well, I'm here to tell you that this year, it's already happening, but it's going to accelerate, that that is going to be exposed as a lie, and there are going to be humiliations on a level that are going to be gobsmacking. 
And just get ready for it because it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride. These people think they control reality and they're running away from God. They're running away from the Judeo-Christian worldview. And they think it's freedom. You know, we see it over in Psalm 2. Let us cast off their, you know, Yahweh's, let's, let's cast off the Lord's restraints and everything. We want to be free. We want to be able to do what we want to, how we want to, when we want to. But it's not freedom. Everybody say amen. The church has been warning, the faithful church, the remnant church, has been warning for two decades. No, 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 stop, stop, bridge out, don't go that way. Unfortunately, not everyone in the church is that way. A lot of them have joined the, the, the parade. But I, I, I think back to Acts chapter 27, which of course is Paul being caught in the storm on his way to Rome. And... It says in verse 9, when considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them, the lone voice, and said to them, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Now I want you to understand that. Paul didn't say he had a vision. Paul didn't say he had a word of wisdom or anything of that nature. He said, I perceive. All right. Are you are you with me here? He said, I perceive. How many of you understand that you do not? How many of you know that we're sailing into trouble? I mean, you know it. You know it right here. You and I must learn in the days to come to trust the gut. Trust the spirit. Trust right there. Even if I don't have a vision, even if I don't have some sort of an epiphany, even if I don't have a, a word, you know, it's like, you know, some people are waiting for the handwriting on the wall. Just remember that the last guy that got that died that night. I don't need all that. And in fact, you know, we're waiting the more spectacular. We're, we want some sort of spectacular guidance. But it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14 that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the mature, developed sons of God. And so Paul wasn't saying, I've had a vision. I've had a dream. I've had a, a you know, and I'm not against visions or dreams or revelations. I've had all of that. And thank God for it. But I'm here to tell you, in my personal life, that's been very, very rare. Most of the time, it's that witness of the Spirit. And that's what he's getting, is the witness of the Spirit. If they would have listened, isn't it interesting that God, they're sailing into something potentially deadly and catastrophic. And all God, uh, God gave to Paul was the inward witness. You know what? I get the feeling, I perceive that this isn't a good thing. Are you hearing me? Amen. We've got to trust that going forward. And there'll be times the Lord will say, stop. Or you'll just get this thinking feeling. go, eh. Or you'll get that knowing that, that, that witness to proceed. And get nothing else upon which to hang your hat. So when your wife says, well, why are we doing this? It just, it feels like that's what God wants us to do. I perceive that's what God wants. Well, did he give you a vision? No. Did he give you a, you know, like a, a word, an audible voice, a dream, a prophecy, something like that? No, 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 no. Then how do you know? 
You know because you know. You know with your knower, you think with your thinker. How many of you are with me here? So he says, I perceive that the voids will certainly... By the way, that's not in the notes, but there's no extra charge. Men, I perceive that the voids will certainly be with damage and great loss, not only of the cargo and of the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion, the Roman officer who was in charge of Paul, a centurion is a company commander, he's over 100, individual, 100 soldiers, was more persuaded by the pilot, or we would call him the helmsman, and the owner of the ship, than by what was being said by Paul. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering. You know, a lot of times people just want to pull up and go because they don't think the place they are is suitable. Yikes. And so the majority reached a decision. The majority. You know, you've heard this, that the majority is always right. The United States of America is living proof that that is not true. Reached a decision to put out to sea from there, if somehow, they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southeast and, or southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. And when a moderate south wind, oh, the enemy knows just how to make it look like that your plans will be okay. It's all good. The moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. They weighed anchor and began sailing along creek close inshore. You probably know the very next verse, but not before, before very long. A strong wind came down off of the land called a nor'easter, a Eurokilo. And they were driven for well over two weeks out into the middle of the Adriatic Sea with no idea where they were. No GPS, no compass, and they had not seen sun, nor moon, nor stars for a great many days. People quit eating and fasting. You know, they, some people say well, it was a spiritual thing. They were seeking God. I think it was so rough that you didn't want to eat anything because you would give it back in short order. It says they were getting the soup slapped out of them. No small storm was assailing us. And it went on to say, and because there'd been no way to navigate, no sun, no How many of you have ever been in heavy overcast where you can't even see which, it just gets brighter. You can't tell where the sun is. And at night, no moon, no stars. And they had nothing but celestial navigation. So they had no idea where they were. Paul had no idea where he was. But Paul knew he was in the hands of God. And that what God had said to him in the person of Jesus, having said earlier, you must witness for my cause at Rome as well. Paul knew that if nobody else on the ship made it, he would. Amen. Let's say that together. If nobody else makes it, I will. I will. My, God my God is faithful. Is faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. The majority. I was, I've been uh, in communication with Kevin over in uh, uh, Russia right now. They're in Murmansk. And I said, man, the Lord's been talking to me about some stuff. And I gave him a, a thing, an email. He wrote back. He said, man, the Lord has been speaking to me. And he said, some of this stuff you just said just fits right in. It's a key to understanding some of this stuff. And then he sent me a copy. He had done a message for his church uh, for today. And he 
sent it to me and it was embargoed to where you couldn't, it's on YouTube, but you couldn't get to it until today. And he let me, gave me a, a, a you know, pre-glimpse and I would invite you to go out to Urington uh, Vineyard and see that, it, take the time. It's probably an hour long, but uh, it is really, really good. Um, back, how many of you remember that from 1948, or maybe you were not aware, from 1948 until about 1958, 59, 60, right in that area, there was a massive move of God in this country. At the end of World War II, and after everybody's coming home and everything, starting about 48, God began to move in an awesome way, and he was doing incredible things. That was the time when they had tents crisscrossing the nation. People like uh, William Branham and uh, O.L. Jaggers and David Nunn and Oral Roberts and uh, Jack Coe and uh, just, you know, uh, uh, what was uh, Brother Shambach was uh, trying to remember the fellow with whom he was traveling. And I mean, he saw, he tells the story, Shambach was just a very young man, and he talks about how that, you know, a, a, a mama brought up a, 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 an infant to the man of God, that she had traveled a considerable distance, and he was born. First of all, they didn't know if it was a male or female because there was absolutely no, uh, there were no sex organs. And the feet were just little clubs, cleft palate, lots of things wrong with this child. Handed him A.A. Uh, a. Allen, handed him to brother, hand, handed the baby to Brother Allen. And I remember Shambach telling the story. He loves to tell that story. He said, Brother Allen took that baby in his hands and put his hand on that child. He said, everybody bow your head. I said that like Shambach, not Allen. And he said, and close your eyes. He said, I bowed my head, but I kept my eyes open because I wanted to see this. And he said, as the man of God prayed, he watched as those club feet straightened out. And then on the ends of each of them, he said, it looked like little gray putty formed for each of those little toes. And he said, then you could see the nail, the toenail appear in each one of them. And then he said, then all at once, they just pinked right up. And he said, the cleft palate went away. And he said, he handed that baby back to his mother who looked under the diaper and said, it's a boy. I'm telling you, saints, we're going to see stuff like that again. It's happening in other parts of the world, but it's coming back to the United States. I know people who have been sent to other parts of the world who have been brought back here. And they say, you know, I'd really like to go back there. I said, when you went there. That place was a mess. Guess which is the bigger mess now? Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to the mess. Many, many great prophetic voices back during that period of time were saying that God was giving America its last call. Kenneth Hagin did that. Um, uh, Stanley Frodsham. Many men. And interestingly... Brother Hagin's revelation came in September, on September 2nd of 1950. And so this, in, in 2020, 
It was 70 years. 70 years. An entire generation. Now back in Jesus' day, a generation was 40 years. Today, it's 70. From the time Jesus was taken to heaven. Somebody might say, well, how do you know the dates on it? Well, first of all, we don't. But we do know from astrological things that the Magi followed, etc., that all of the signs that John describes in with the woman, you know, clothed in the sun and giving birth to a child and the dragon ready and all of that. All of those are astronomical signs. And they occurred for a very short period of time and the Magi caught it because they were astronomers. Actually, they were even astrologers. And that was September the 11th, 3 B.C. September the 11th, 3 B.C. So if Jesus was born that day, which in entirely, because I don't believe he was born on September 25th, simply because the shepherds wouldn't be out keeping uh, track of their flocks by night. Well, what day does it matter that we celebrate it? It doesn't. Then that means that Jesus was resurrected in 30. And 40 years later, one generation exactly, Jerusalem was sacked. We'll speak of some of these things in the future. By the way, you might say, well, 70 years was 2020. What happened next? The election. And tell me we haven't nosed over. We'll speak of some of these things. We'll talk about these, uh, how classic paganism has returned, etc. I, mean, I want you to think about this. Look at what's happened in this nation after we were told you've got, you know, you've received your last call. We have legalized uh, child sacrifice. And lately here in Missouri and many other states, we're even legalizing uh, wormwood, psychoactive, psychoactive drugs. That's, there, there's a good idea. That'll help you get in touch with the spirit world real quick. Not the part of it you really want to talk to, but, you know. And so what we'll be doing is, and I'm kind of doing today, you know, when, whenever you're, when you're a pilot, I'm a pilot, whenever you're getting ready to go someplace, one of the things you do is you, you, you look at the weather forecast because that does have a definite impact. Ask Southwest. And uh, I remember one time we flew down to Tulsa to, you know, visit my folks or visit my dad. And while we were there, I was starting to look at, you know, uh, check aviation weather and everything. And I told my I told Kathy, I said, we had planned to stay until this time. We're leaving early because something is moving in from the west and we need to beat it in. And so we left a little early. They took us out there. And when we got back out here, we landed out of Johnson County Executive over here. And I mean, we barely got the aircraft tied down before the high winds and the hail and all that stuff arrived. It's better to be tying your aircraft down in that than it is to be trying to land. It was really cool because as we were flying, coming up from Tulsa to Olathe, as we were flying along, you could look off of our uh, port wing, our left wing, and you could see the storm coming. You could see the lightning. You could see all that stuff. And you know, that's exactly where you want to see it is over there, not here. And so... We have seen the, we have, and, and this gender confusion that we see, and this gender abomination we see, it's not new. It's been around for millennia. It's paganism. We'll talk about that, you know. And so, as God began, you know, somebody might say, well, do you think the United States is going to be nothing but a smoking hole in the ground? The answer to that question is no, I do not. But I do believe that the Lord has some serious changes to make before 
we can be used the way he wants to at the end. And it's going to be a bumpy road. And he, he's the only one who can do it, and he's just the one to do it. Having said that, as our esteemed bass player Randy said this morning, and when he said it, I said, that's in my notes. He said, you're kidding. Here it is. Buckle up, buttercup. There is rough sailing ahead. I've got good news and I've got bad news. And the good news is better than the bad news. Based upon the scripture, not just experience. I remember, how many of you remember 9-11? And after 9-11 had happened, several people came up to me and to Gene, both of us, and said, thank you for warning us that this was coming. That something like this was coming. We didn't tell them why because we didn't know. But that something like this was coming so that we are not shaken in our faith. One of the things that, you know, Kevin and I have been discussing, and I've really appreciated his viewpoint, and I do encourage you to go out. And, and, and he said this, that there are things in the lives of God's people who are being faithful that, it, that right now you have begun to wonder if they're ever going to happen. And at the end of this year, you will be seeing them coming to pass. I believe that with all of my heart. But I believe also that there are things that you, you think we don't even recognize our country now. Wait until the end of the year. But it's all, you know, everybody say, he's doing it. He's working his plan. He's working his plan. We have got to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of faith. We can't be looking around us. That's what got Peter in trouble out on the water. We've got to keep our eyes on. And you know, the thing of it is, we expect things to be a certain way. We all have these hopes, you know. Um, I often wonder, I have never in my life bought a lottery ticket. Not even one. But I've been over a quick trip when I saw people spending, dropping big money, or what I consider big money, on lottery tickets. And I'm wondering... Does that guy really expect to win? What was our last payout? I think if you took the cash, it was like a billion. Unbelievable, 180 million and everything. And I think it was split three or four. I don't remember how that came out. But just, you know, I mean, bro, is this your retirement plan? I mean, what, what is, you know, and what, what do you expect when you, you know, somebody says, well, it's just, you know, pooping off fun money and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, okay. But, you know, we, we expect, we have a tendency to expect things to be a certain way. And one of the things that we absolutely must not do is we must, or must do is keep our eyes fixed on Jesus so that when things don't go that way, and they won't, we're not, it didn't kick us to the curb. Our culture wants everything yesterday. Our culture does not want to be inconvenienced in any way. You know, I can't tell you the number of times that I pull in behind somebody in traffic and I go, oh, great. I got the person that wants to drive five miles an hour under the speed limit. And I got no way around them. Has anybody besides me noticed how heavy the traffic on the interstates has become here in the area? We got people moving in from lots of different places. And I was saying to Aaron the other day, I said, have you noticed how that it used to be you could just get off whenever you wanted to, but now you've got to be planning a, a mile ahead of time to get over because otherwise you won't be able to get off. Why? Because there's so many people out there. 
And here you are. You got a truck. You got grandma or grandpa goats or whatever. And you're stuck there. Or you're driving down. You know, I'm, there's a light over by my house that I'm going to blow up. I just am. I'm so sick of that light. It sits out at the intersection of R.D. Mize and 39th Street, or Pink Hill now they call it. They changed it. And it's on a timer. It doesn't even have an elect, you know, a camera. It's on a timer. It goes 30 or 35 seconds each way. And, like and you can pull up to it in the middle of the night. And you're driving up and it's green. You go, okay. Then it turns red. And you sit there. Whistling Dixie. Nothing coming. You look south. Clear. All the way to Fayetteville, Arkansas. You look north. Nothing between here and Des Moines. You look east. There's D.C. I don't see any cars. And there you sit waiting for the light. I said that to my, uh, across the, my neighbor who lives across the street who is uh, a retired Kansas City PD uh, sergeant and the chief of police from a local uh, small town. He was there as the chief for many years. He goes, why don't you just run it? <laughs> license. That's what I like. The license to run. So, what do you do, Pastor? None of your business. <laughs> so many times the scripture shows us that we have certain expectations that God says, no, I can't do it that way. I've got another way. I've got a better way. And you're not going to like it. You'll like the end, but between here and there, the sailing gets rough. In Matthew, okay, now, everybody still love me? Are you learning anything? All right. Matthew chapter 16, I want to begin reading with verse 21 out of the NAS. From that time, now this is, the, this is in Bashan. This is in the devil's own backyard. Not even his backyard. He's literally standing on the devil's porch for all intents and purposes. And you know, he asked him the question, who do people say the son of man is? And you know, well, some say John the Baptist, some say one of the prophets risen from the dead. And he says, but who do you say I am? And Peter speaks up. Now you know Peter, you know. Sometimes he's right, sometimes he's dining on shoe leather, but he's never slow to speak. And he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Well, Peter won, you know, Peter won one. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. He tells him. And, you know, he goes into, in your name, your name is Peter, which is pebble. It's like little rock. And on this boulder, the revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, Jesus is Lord. I will build my church in the gates of hell. Hell in human government will not be able to, to withstand it. And so it says in verse uh, 21, from that time... Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. That is not what Peter had planned. That is not what he saw happening. It was just going to get gooder and gooder from him on, here on in. And this was, this was it. This was the consummation of the ages. Yeah. And so he takes Jesus. Look what it says in verse 22. Peter took him, Peter took God in the flesh aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he, meaning Jesus, turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? We would say it this way, get out of my way. 
You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but on, on, on man's interests. They couldn't believe that he was going to die such an ignominious, horrific, shameful death. And there was crucifixion. In fact, it was illegal for Romans to crucify a Roman citizen. That's why Paul was beheaded. Because it was considered cruel and unusual. So what do they do? They, you know, when it starts going the, a way that we didn't anticipate, we start telling God, no, this is not the way it's supposed to go. And this is what, how many of you know, but this had to happen. There are many things that have to happen. They must happen. That said, we have a tendency to hear what we want to hear. Are, are, are you with me? After the resurrection, before the ascension, in Acts chapter 1, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, verse 6, when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? You know, if I'd have been Jesus, I'm like, well, where have you all been? Did I not tell you that not one stone of that temple is going to remain upon another? Did I not say that Jerusalem is going to be devastated because she did not recognize the time of her, dis of her visitation? Did I not say to you, when you see the armies gathered around Jerusalem, why are you guys, I mean, think people? But we hear what we want to hear. The destruction of Jerusalem had to happen. Sometimes it just seems like there is no way God's going to get this done. There is no way. Why? Because we can't see the way. We're like Israel by the Red Sea. We got forts on one side, desert on another side. We got Pharaoh. We got Yule Brenner bearing down on us. And what's Charlton Heston going to do now? We talked uh, last couple of Wednesday nights about Gideon. And when the angel appeared to give him, I believe it, it says it's the angel of Yahweh, so I believe it was God the Word appearing to him, and I could prove that, I think. And he said, go in this your strength and deliver your people. And Gideon goes, I know Yahweh led us out of Egypt, and I know Yahweh did great miracles. But, you know, I don't understand. If we're the people of God, why are all these things happening to us? And, you know, it's like, well, you've got an altar to Baal in the town square and you've got an Asherah pole right next to it. I can think of a couple of reasons. But the Lord didn't even say that to him. But he says, then Gideon said to him in verse Judges 6, 13, Oh, my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where? Are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up out of Egypt? But now Yahweh has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. There will be people who will be saying stuff like that around you, and you must know that is not true. Amen. Each of us must, from, I'm telling you, saints, this is more important than it's ever before, than it has ever been before. And that is, we must begin to think and perceive 
biblically. We must use the truth of the scripture as our filter, as our radar for getting a bounce off of what is true and the stealth that is out there. Nothing can hide from him. Amen. We have to filter everything we see. We have to filter everything we hear through the scripture, through prayer. Because recent events have proven beyond a reasonable doubt that David was right in Psalm 16, 116 and 11 when he proclaimed, All men are liars. Paul knew the drill. We, <coughs> excuse me, are currently in what quite, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> possibly may be the final and most intense stages of the conflict between good and evil, between Yahweh, the light and the darkness. God is moving to judge sin in humanity in a very clear way. Why? Because if you don't judge it, people will continue down that path. They need to be shown in no uncertain terms that it is destruction. And to show those who have ears to hear and eyes to see that he alone is God. And that calls for people who have a spine made out of steel and not out of pasta. Listen to this. Listen to the things Paul said about his own ministry. Are they servants of Christ? This is 2 Corinthians 11. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as of insane. I more so in far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten, times without number. Has anybody got this on your refrigerator and you're believing for this? It's not on mine, I assure you. Beaten, times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And by the way, that means people throwing rocks at you, literally. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. A nine, it goes to show you just from this that just a, the smallest part of what Paul endured and went through is recorded for us in the book of Acts. Um, a day and a night I have spent in the deep, have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, in dangers from robbers, in dangers from my countrymen, in dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among false brethren. That's probably the most dangerous thing he just named. I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul, you, you got to remember back then the, the, the Thessalonians, not the Thessalonians, but the Philippians among others, were constantly trying to find him to send him support. But his cell phone kept getting out of the coverage area. Wow. That's pretty heavy, you know. And, you know, we, then when we come down to 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, Paul says, now I want to loop back. Paul says, he's uh, talking, remember he says, I know a man in Christ who in the body, out of the body, I don't know, God knows, was caught up to the third heaven and heard inexpressible words, which it is not permitted for a man to speak. 
Lots of people say, well, he says, I know a man. That's humility because he goes on to say, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. No, it was not ophthalmia. It was not a disease that with which he had to deal with all of his life because he goes on to describe it. To keep me from exalting myself concerning uh, this, I implored the Lord three times that it may leave me. And he has said, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. I've, Levi, I'm going to the board. <clears throat> By the way, when I look over that direction, I can't see Levi. Okay. Power, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected, made complete... Right? My what? Grace is sufficient for you because power is perfected in weakness and inability. Notice that the term power and the term grace are used synonymously here. The grace of God is not just the forgiveness of God. The grace of God is the very power and the presence of God himself that comes upon his children to see to it that the things God has willed for them to do, that they are anointed, they are equipped, and they are empowered to do. Man, if you don't get anything else out of today, that was worth the price of admission. All right? My power is sufficient for you. So he goes on to tell us, it's not sickness and disease. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses. You could even put a coal in there because he's describing his weaknesses with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. But every time I realize, you know what? I can't get out of this, God. I need your help. That's God loves to get us to the place where we finally do realize that. Where we finally go, oh man, am I in trouble. God said, you're not in trouble. You're just now coming to the place where I can actually f flow. As long as you think you've got this wired, you're in trouble. The minute you turn to me, my grace will flow. It all goes, now come back at it. Look, look again. Let's back up here uh, to verse 7. How, how do we start? How that pride is the mother of all sins. In a very real sense. Well, it doesn't apply to me because, you know, whatever. I'm not, I don't have to do the word. I, I, I can get through. I can, I can make it work. Those are famous last words. I can make it work. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to do what? Keep me from exalting myself. Because once he starts exalting himself, that power is just going to go. He keep, and then he says it twice. Um, he goes on to say, this was give me this thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, an angel of Satan to torment me. Hitman demon, followed him everywhere he went. 
to keep me from exalting myself. He even says it earlier in that book, in, in, or in the epistle, first, or 2 Corinthians. We go back to chapter 4 and verse 7. And if our musicians would start making their way to the platform. Pastor, I remember last week you only preached for 20 minutes. That was then, this is now. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Next two words. What does it say? We have this treasure. Is it up there? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What are the next two words that are underlined for you? So that. That is a hina clause in the Greek, which means specifically to the end that. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Everybody say, I'm a clay pot. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. You see, the minute I start taking credit for the things God's doing through me, people start looking at me and not at him. And I can't save anybody. Neither can you. And he says, he goes on to say, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, that means bewildered, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. Wow. For we who live are constantly being over, delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that, there it is again, Specifically that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. That's this stuff. God knows how to keep us out of pride. I remember the story Kenneth Hagin used to tell about a Baptist, minute, a Baptist man. He wasn't a minister. He was a, he was a business owner. Very, very successful. Big giver in his church. Big, you know. And he just got complacent. He just got, you know, how many of you know what complacency is? And he woke himself up one night saying, stir me, Lord, stir me, stir me, Lord, stir me. And he's like, what's up with that? And that happened several nights in a row. And then subsequent to that, I mean, all hell broke loose in his life. He virtually almost lost his business almost lost his family. Everything that could go wrong did. And man, I mean, he had to get down on his prayer bones and grab hold his, the horns of the altar. And by faith, the grace of God came back in. And over a period of multiple months, everything was restored. And he said several years later, he woke up in the middle of the night saying it again. Stir me, Lord, stir me. Stir me, Lord, stir me. And he's like, uh, because <gasps> he connected the two. And he said he got out of the bed and said, never mind, Lord, I will stir myself. How many of you think that's a good idea? Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. He has said to me after Paul had said, please get this thing off my back. And God has said to me, my grace, my power is enough for you. Power is perfected in weakness. Most likely, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses 
so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We have got to keep deferring to him. That's something you see in the ministry of Jesus. He doesn't draw the glory to himself. He is always giving the Father glory. Giving the Father honor for what he has done. The more that we depend upon him, the greater the manifestation. We don't want people looking at Christians, at us, and saying, man, those people got their stuff together. No, we want them looking at us and saying, God is among them. God is with them. You know what? It, wouldn't, <clears throat> it won't bother me in the least for people to say, you know what, Kevin? That had to be God because you're not that smart. You know what? That doesn't insult me in the least. That has to be God because you're not that cool. Yeah, it has to be God because you don't know that much. Everybody say amen. That's fine. As long as they're giving it, the glory is going to God. That is exactly what he wants. It's, why? Because we point them to him because we can't save them. He does. It me, And I'm here to tell you, it means being separate from the world. We're not to look like the world, talk like the world, sound like the world, smell like the world. We are to be, and you know, we've done, <laughs> clearly, and the church in North America is doing its best to blend in. But that is not the plan. We are allowing, we're to allow God to put his hand upon us in increasingly obvious ways. And I will close with this. John chapter 1. Let's all stand, in fact. Begin reading with verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh. We talked about this one week ago today on Christmas Day. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Full of what? Grace. And what? Truth. I will, I'm telling you, truth and grace are traveling companions. When one shows up, the other has to be there. Simple as that. John testified about Jesus and cried out saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace power upon power revelation upon revelation guidance upon guidance fill in everything what is the grace of God it is what I need right now when you go to the gas pump if it goes back to five dollars a gallon you need grace amen if a loaf of bread goes to twenty dollars what do you need you need grace for of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace was and truth were realized, received, come into our lives through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, saints, as the darkness intensifies, the grace that is upon those who will be obedient and those who will keep their eyes on him and those who will walk in truth will also intensify. And there will, become, I'm, there will be no doubt 
about who the Philistine is and who the man or woman of God is. Grace upon grace, the light in us growing. For those of you watching by web, we want to thank you for joining us today. Whenever it is that you're getting an opportunity to see this. And I want to assure everyone watching, if there is even a chance that some, someone watching is not a believer, is not a Christian, not born again, I assure you there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Yes, there is a lake of fire and it is the ultimate destination of those who reject Jesus of Nazareth as their, their Savior. And I want to encourage you. The Bible says that with the heart we believe unto righteousness and with the lips, mouth, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And I want to encourage you to do that, just to pray today. This isn't a, this is, and I mean pray, I don't mean just recite. This isn't a formula, it is a cry to God. And say, Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that you have raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Saint of God, Christian who's watching this, I want to encourage you that if you have been serving God casually, that now you make the decision to go all in. That all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, all your wealth, all your time, all of it. Because the world is passing away. And a hundred years from now, even probably 20 years from now, everything that seemed important isn't going to seem that way anymore. And it's only the things that we commit to him and throw in there. I think, I can't remember the missionary in South America's name uh, who said this. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I say to you, give it all. Hold nothing back. We live in tremendous times. And we're going through yet another acceleration. I promise you, we know, we were told in 2019 that the world around us was about to change. And it did very rapidly as prophesied. We also saw the acceleration. And for those who are motorheads, you will understand what I mean. God is about to grab still another gear. We're going from second to third or third to fourth. And you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. You're going to know it. Be as Kathy said, in position, where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.